Okay, we're going to have a look at just uh, some aspects uh, from a, a section of Bible prophecy. Um, a couple of times in the last few months I've been asked to answer the question about, uh, or can I explain, uh, what it is in the book of Revelation from chapter 11, uh, the two witnesses that the book of Revelation speaks about. Well, the Bible makes it quite clear that the two true witnesses are those that have the interpretation of God's counsel. And that's what we're going to have a look at tonight, is to see the way that the Lord has identified these people and how important it is to God that the witnesses that he has that are true are prepared to follow the word of God right through and to make a stand before this world by what they believe. Right, next slide. We read in Revelation chapter 11 and verse 3, And I will give power under my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. And so the whole point is that the two witnesses are to maintain the really the truth about Jesus Christ. We live in a world today that is totally confused. I was just uh, looking at a few aspects relating to the Catholic system at the moment, uh, uh, just recently. And at the moment, there's a big emphasis by the Pope himself that there should be a one world religion. And this one world religion as such, that all the religions of the world, be it uh, Muslim, be it Jewish, be it Christian, be it uh, worshippers of Buddha, uh, every one of them should join together as one. And he's saying, we are all the people of God, the Pope said. And as we're all the people of God, we should realise that we're all the same. And so it ends up that people completely lose track of what the truth really is. And so the two witnesses, God has put in place that they might maintain the truth of the word of God. Next slide. We'll identify these as we go through. Next slide. Okay, we're still there. Right, okay. So... Chapter 11 starts with an unusual sort of a statement. It says, And there was given unto me, and this is John, who is writing the revelation of Jesus Christ down, a rod. And he says, And an angel stood at saying, Measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple leave out. And measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall be trodden down for a period of 42 months. And so we not only want to identify the witnesses, but these odd little things that we read in the word of God, what do they relate to? How do we identify this? It tells us here there's going to be a time in history for 1260 years, or as it's described also in this particular chapter, for a period of 42 months. And 42 months is 42 times 30, which again adds up to 1260. 
And as we know that a day is a year, it is covering a, a literal period of 1260 years. And when we have a look at what happened in history, it covers the Dark Ages, what is called the Dark Ages, a time in which the Catholic Church at that time totally dominated Christendom. People were not allowed to read the Word of God. The Word of God was chained to the altar in the churches. And the only one that could read the Word of God were the priests and they would interpret to the people what God was saying. And so the church for 1260 years, from 606 AD, totally dominated the Christian faith. But towards the end there was the rise up. And the rise up came through the Reformation of great men that we read of in the Bible, of Latimer and Ridley and Huss and Martin Luther, that saw that the church of Rome was not preaching the word of God. And the true church started to arise. People lost their lives for what they believed and stood for. There was a period of great persecution but the mention was that the truth had to come out and prevail. And those that brought the word out to the people were the two witnesses of God. We can't go into the story that we're looking at here about the 1260 years because it would take too much in the way of time. But what it says here, as we see, is that the church was in disarray. And so it talks about the fact that to measure the temple, and if we could have the next slide. In those days, the people that believed in God were the children of Israel. And under the Old Testament law, God dealt with a nation of people. And as we know, that the centre of their worship was originally the tabernacle in the wilderness, and then from the tabernacle in the wilderness it became the temple itself. And the uh, children of Israel would see the temple as their meeting place with God. And they would follow the worship that was laid down totally in the scriptures. Every part of the, of the temple, as every part of the tabernacle has a significance and a meaning. Again, we couldn't uh, go right into this tonight. But what the, God told John was to measure the temple and them that worship therein. Because in the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel in chapter 40, it describes a time when a man had a line flax in his hand. It was a measuring rod. It was six cubits long, which is around about three meters in length. And with it, he measured the whole of the temple. As well as the temple where the children of Israel worshiped, there was a place on the outside called the outer court. Now the outer court was there for people that were Gentiles. And a Gentile was an unbeliever. And they were the people that were prepared and wanted to accept. They saw the God of Israel was a miracle God. 
And so they want to make him their God. And they took on the name, as has been referred to, as proselyte Jews. They were not true Jews. But they were not permitted to worship in the temple itself. But there was a provision made for them called the outer court. But in the New Testament, what we read of here is John has seen the vision, but the court which was without, the outer court, measure it not, leave it out, because it is given to the unbeliever. And in the holy city, they shall tread them underfoot for the 42 months or the 1260 years as Rome suppressed true Christendom. But when it says to leave out, it actually means to cast out or to reject completely. What the message here, as we're seeing it, is in the New Testament time, any unbeliever has no place with the temple of God. Because as the Bible tells us, all nations and kindreds and people and tongues can all be within the temple. Within the temple. And that's why it's of course so important that we identify what does God mean by the two true witnesses. Next slide. Two witnesses are firstly the word of God. We read in the book of Matthew the words of Jesus as he's talking about even the last days. As he's talking about all the signs of his second coming. He said one of the things as well was that before he could come back to this earth that the gospel message of being born again had to be preached in all of the nations of the world as a witness unto all nations before the end could come. So the first witness of God in the book of Revelations is his word, the word of God, the gospel message of Jesus Christ coming down and making lives totally anew, totally anew. Next slide. Of course, what we're reading about in this situation is what we see is that but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of Christ or God dwells in you. And if any man is not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So if people do not have the spirit of Christ within them, they are the outer court and they are left out. They are rejected when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back again. The Bible tells us, remember that the word of God is the witness. We read here that the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons and the daughters of the living God. When Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, 
And he came and said, look, Jesus, we know you must be a man from God because no man can do the miracles you do except that God be with that man. And Jesus didn't say, thank you. He got right down to the issue and said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. He said, Nicodemus, unless you're born of water and the spirit, you will not see and you will not enter into the kingdom of God. And so Jesus made it very obvious that you need to have proof, evidence of my presence in your life. You must be born of water and you must be born of the spirit. Later on, when the day of Pentecost came in Acts chapter 2, as we know, and we're just giving a very short summary tonight. In Acts chapter 2, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. All that were waiting, 120 of them. This is where the first witness took place because people were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. That was the beginning of the Christian church. That was the first witness that we're reading about here tonight. And Jesus made it clear, you must be born again. And so on that day of Pentecost, when the people all gathered around, these are things we often comment about. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And the witness went forth, the word of God went forth. And Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Evidence by speaking in other tongues. That's what the word of God, the witness of God is all about. Quite clearly. You see, the word witness comes from a Greek word, martus. And it means one who bears witness by his death. It actually would say in English, someone that was prepared to be a martyr. Jesus Christ was a martyr. He gave his life for you and he gave his life for me. And we know right through history of the Christian church, particularly in early days in Rome, as Rome's taking domination of Christendom, many lost their lives and were made martyrs for their belief in Jesus Christ. They were so convicted by their experience, they were ripped apart by the wild animals and so on, very, very clearly. In 1 Peter it says in chapter 5 and verse 1, he said to them, the oldest rickster among you, I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. What he went through was to achieve you and I being born again, to become a witness for him and a partaker, as it says in that particular verse, of the glory that one day is going to be revealed in us. But like often happens, there are times like we read in Matthew 26, that there are those that are false witnesses. The false witnesses, the two were brought forth because you had to establish something by two or three witnesses going back into the Old Testament law. And they accused Christ. 
And so they said, let's take him out and hang him. And they accepted the life of a murderer rather than the one that could give a new life and a wonderful new chance. And so that word there is a false witness. It's actually pseudomatis from the Greek language. It means a bearer of untrue testimony. And how much there is in this world today of untrue testimony of Jesus Christ. What they're trying to do is, as the word pseudo means to be like. There are so many people in the world today that say, it doesn't matter what you believe. If you believe, you're saved. Always remember this many years ago when I went over to America, and, and uh, I've mentioned it before, and Maureen and I went to have dinner with an American rock star. And when we got there, we met his wife. And his wife was a very lovely lady. And she'd talked to her pastor because she read in the book of Acts that you need to repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. And when they received the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues. And the Pentecostal pastor said, speaking in tongues was not necessary for salvation. Nothing to do with salvation. You're all right the way you are. And she kept reading her Bible and it kept standing out to her that there was evidence, there was a, a proof of God. And so she pressed in on her own and God filled her with the Holy Spirit and she spoke in tongues and she said, what an amazing difference it has made in my life. And so then... Uh, the rock star came in and we had dinner and we opened up the Bible and we talked so much he wanted to know about Bible prophecy and so on. And everything was going well. And I thought, I've I'm, I'm, I'm got to get into another track. I want to tell him about being born again. And so I opened up John chapter 3. And I said to him, Dave, unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you won't be saved. You won't be a witness for God. And uh, at any rate... He said, oh, it's that dead time. And all of a sudden he turned around to me and he says, well, I know one thing. I said, what's that you know? And he says, I know that I'm unsaved the way I am. And I said to him, the Bible says you're not. And you know what he did? He slammed his Bible and went back to bed. Because he didn't want to know the truth. He'd rather believe untrue witness than true witness. That's why the Bible says in Timothy, there'll be those that will have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the power thereof, the power of God in their life, and hold to all their traditions and many other like things, like the washing of pots and pans, as we refer to in Mark 7. It's a tragedy. But that's the way that the world is. Next slide. The second witness is the church. As we see here, the church, as some by Brother David mentioned, the ecclesia, the called out ones. And so the ecclesia is important to God as a witness in this earth. That's every one of us together as we've been called out of this world. In the book of Acts chapter 1, scripture we know well, where the Lord and the time 
before he went back up into heaven, he said to his disciples, and they were not spirit-filled at that moment, he said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then you'll be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and even to the othermost parts of the earth. The second witness in this world that John was told about was the church. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, under the church was in Corinth, in verse chapter 1 he says, he called them them that are sanctified, set apart in Christ Jesus called to be saints or sanctified ones. And to all them in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So the second witness is the church. And the next slide, if we could, just in finishing. In 1 Corinthians and uh, chapter 6 it says, what, No, you're not therefore that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The moment you're born again, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. You belong to the Lord the moment you're born again. For ye are bought with a price. The price of a witness, a martyr, Jesus Christ, God's only son. And therefore, your responsibility and the onus on you as an individual and us as a church is, of course, to glorify God in our body and in our spirit because they belong to God. The two witnesses, God's word and the church, the temple of the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so the message that God has for you and me is be a true witness. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for your labour is not in vain in the Lord. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. 